During active construction of a giant building, there are a couple of safety precautions that we hope everyone is following, both for the safety of the crew and the safety of the citizens that are living nearby. We would hope that there are massive support beams in there that can accommodate the weight of such a massive building. We would also like to see that the architects designed it in a way that the building comes with minimum risks. And above all, investigators and regulators should be consistently checking that all of these rules are being followed without any type of ulterior influence preventing them from speaking the truth if something was wrong. But in the case of the Hard Rock Hotel in New Orleans, none of that was true. Despite concerns about the height of the building and the safety of those constructing such a massive structure, work went on with the general public blissfully unaware of what was to come. It was 2019 and the town was abuzz with excitement about how the new revenue and tourists that the Hard Rock Hotel would bring. But in the background, construction workers were pleading for someone to pay attention to what they were seeing. And that was an unstable building that was bound to collapse. Soon enough, their worst nightmares came true when the partially built Hard Rock Hotel in New Orleans caved in on itself, overwhelmed by its own weight, injuring many and killing three. The town was in shock. How could something like this happen? How could a building just fall? And aren't there safeguards that prevent this type of thing? Well, there are, but people ignored them. The inspector turned a blind eye, the investors looked the other way, and people lost their lives in the process. No one listened when the construction workers tried to sound the alarms, and when their worst fears came true, some seemed to face consequences just for speaking out. It was the absolute epitome of putting profits over people and the controversy surrounding the spontaneous fall of a massive building still continues today. So what exactly happened here? Is this a story of greed and corruption or just one of a tragic mistake? Well, that's what we're gonna take a look at today on The Corporate Casket. Eyewitness investigator David Hammer has been speaking with construction workers who were on the job at the Hard Rock. I'm just appreciative to be here right now because I could have died today. Lawsuits against the developers, architects, engineers, and contractors, and more information will come out through that. And we're starting to get a picture of design. And if you find these episodes interesting and want even more to satisfy your curiosity, make sure you head on over to patreon.com slash Illuminati. We have everything from an amazing private Discord community to extra episodes, ad-free episodes, and monthly AMAs. So make sure to check it out and I'll see you over there. One Spanish-speaking worker shared a video he made last week with local contractor Randy Gaspard, who posted it on Facebook. In the video, the worker criticizes the architects and engineers for the lack of support beams and shows one support jack that appears to be giving way. It was just a normal Saturday in New Orleans in October 2019 until very suddenly a building being constructed on Canal Street spontaneously folded in on itself. As multiple floors of a massive building came crashing down, people were sent running while some unfortunately remained trapped inside. The number of people who were injured climbed to double digits and the initial reports claimed that two people were dead and one was missing. 
the responders told news crews and the general public that there were still in rescue mode after the incredibly dangerous situation and warned people that this was not going to be a short-term event, this was going to be a marathon. Unfortunately, people didn't understand how true that statement would become. The city claimed that they were doing their best to quickly and safely stabilize the structure. They worried about sending in a team to the building as two ginormous cranes remained on top. Those would have to be removed before anyone could even go inside. I don't think anyone necessarily really blamed them for this idea, but what was certainly in question for people waiting to find out what happened to their families and their friends and the general public was just how long it would take to get to them. Over three months later, the building was still there, partially standing, and the bodies of two or three workers were still trapped inside. Then the worst seemed to happen. One of the bodies became exposed on the outside of the building for everybody to see. A tarp that was used as a cover had apparently fallen, and now citizens were coming face to face with a horrifying tragedy, and it was safe to say that they were a little bit more than just pissed. One Twitter user wrote a tweet directed at the mayor saying, quote, I would submit to at Mayor Cantrell that placing a tarp over a dead New Orleans citizen and allowing him to hang for more than three months rather than figuring out a way to remove his body is irresponsible and indefensible. Honestly, this feels like a completely sane response granted for what was going on. This is someone that had been dead and hanging from a building for three months. Their family has been waiting to bring them home and to give them a proper burial. And now citizens were just walking by a a body. It seems like the absolute epitome of disrespect of the dead. Still, they came armed with an explanation. They claimed it was too dangerous to go inside, which I can respect to a degree, but three months later, when you know that there are people that need to be buried, like, I don't know, it just, it doesn't feel like a measured response. In the explanation tweet about why it was taking so long to recover people who had lost their lives in the city, it said, quote, The condition of the collapse site has deteriorated since the tarps were initially placed in October. So it seems like they're claiming that waiting did not make it any safer to enter the building. And instead, it seemed like the longer they waited to address what was a very serious issue, the more dangerous it got. There was something else that stood out about their fact sheet. And that was the fact that the owners of the building were in charge of demolishing the site and therefore finding the people who remained in the building. For months, the people who owned the building, the Kylas family and the company 1031 Canal delayed this responsibility. Their first plan to work with a national demolition company went south when the Kylas family decided that their proposal to take the job was just a little bit too expensive for them. So they tried a different company. They went back and forth for months about the plan to tear down the building and get people out of it. And eventually 1031 Canal vetoed them too, saying their plans were unsafe and too expensive. The same thing happened two more times before the city finally threatened to take matters into its own hands as citizens complained about the building. Sadly and unfortunately, it would take a total of 10 months for the people who lost their lives in the building collapse to finally be recovered and return to their grieving families so they could finally lay them to rest. The family of the final person to be pulled out of the rubble said that the waiting caused them months of anguish. The brother of the 63-year-old man who tragically died while working on the site told the New York Times, quote, "'You get up in the morning thinking about your brother "'and you go to bed at night thinking about him. "'It's been a horrible 10 months. "'I can't imagine the pain that these families went through "'purely because some people just didn't wanna spend the money "'to do the right thing.'" 1031 Canal and the Kylas family would wind up finally demolishing the site in January, 2021, nearly two full years after its collapse. 
But finally, it seemed like it was over, but we're not. This is unfortunately just the beginning. Because while this appeared to be an accident or an unexplainable tragedy, perhaps an act of God, it wasn't. It turns out this was actually more of -of run-of-the-mill corporate greed and the workers had been trying to sound the alarm. But hey, profits over people, right? but I assume that's what it would have felt like. Did, did you think anything like this would ever happen? I never experienced nothing like this in my life with nothing. You know, this is the closest call, you know. I'm just appreciative to be here right now because I could have died today. On the day the building collapsed, rumors started spreading that this was not in fact a completely random accident. Nearly immediately, a social media post spread like wildfire that showed construction workers questioning the safety of the skyscraper being built. While standing in the building, the workers pointed out the instability. The concrete slabs in the building seemed to be aging, according to the workers, and the posts that were supporting the building were beginning to give away. One of the workers also pointed out that there didn't seem to be nearly enough weight-bearing posts put up around the building. They were too far spread out, and clearly this was unsafe. This video had been uploaded, supposedly, just two days before the building collapsed but people had been trying to warn the company that owns the building far before this, that they were in trouble and they knew it. Joel Ramirez Palma was a construction person working on the site of the new Hard Rock Hotel. And when it collapsed, he was hospitalized with head trauma and eye injury and internal inflammation. Two weeks prior, he tried to speak out about the issues he was seeing. When he started working on the building, he knew something was off. The laser levelers he had been using to install windows showed that the building itself was not even level. He had over 17 years of experience and had never seen something like this. Surely, sometimes a building was off by a little bit, but less than an inch. That was relatively normal and nothing to worry about. This one, on the other hand, was off by two inches. Then there was the concrete. He had the same concerns as the now infamous video. It was weak and unsupported. There were safety issues all around. So Palma did the right thing and told his supervisors of the problem multiple times, but they simply brushed it off and told him to just keep working. On the day of the collapse, he noticed the floor beneath his feet was moving and then the worst happened. The ground fell from underneath him. He swung from a rope in order to survive. After everything was over, he was interviewed by a Spanish news network and told his story of attempting to warn supervisors of the impending danger. Two days later, something incredibly coincidental happened. While he was out fishing, he was stopped and detained for supposedly fishing without a license, something his lawyer found suspicious since he did have a fishing license. Soon, the news came out that he was being deported. With investigations into the company responsible for the Hard Rock's construction already being underway by the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, this sudden turn in events just seemed a little bit odd. Many people, including his attorney, family, and some concerned citizens made the accusation that this was an act of whistleblower retaliation. After all, if he was in a different country, he couldn't really be involved in the investigation and reveal the misdoings of the company, right? However, a spokesperson for Immigration and Customs Enforcement called the accusations of retaliation, quote, outrageously irresponsible. But even if those weren't true, even if this wasn't an organized act punishing him for speaking out, it still shouldn't have happened in the first place. There is an agreement between the Department of Homeland Security and the Labor Department that ICE shouldn't arrest workers who are involved in an investigation by the Labor Department. Like, I don't know, maybe if there was a building that collapsed? Now, there are some exceptions to this agreement, like if ICE determines that someone is a national security threat, which Palma most certainly was not. 
Regardless, he was officially deported back to Honduras on November 29th, just one month after the incident occurred. And even if this was just a sheer coincidence, it's hard to ignore the consequences it could have. To many, this seemed like an obvious form of retaliation. What kind of message does that send in the future? If you're undocumented, or even if you do have a work visa, could you risk deportation if you choose to speak out about something going wrong? Well, that's what Julian Burns, the spokesperson for the New Orleans Workers Center for Racial Justice was concerned about. They told the Washington Post, quote, the next time a building collapses, we will wonder if it could have been prevented if our federal agencies had prioritized answers and accountability for the survivors of the Hard Rock. We will wonder if the same bad actors are to blame, and we will wonder if potential whistleblowers kept silent because they saw what happened to Joel. Others wondered what this could mean for the investigation underway for this specific collapse. After all, the truth still hadn't come out and Joel was a key witness, one that was now deported. Would we ever really know what happened with the Hard Rock? Well, kind of. Extremely disturbing at the site of the Hard Rock Hotel collapse. The tarp that covered the body of one of the workers killed in the collapse had fallen down, exposing his remains. Now we are being careful not to show them here, but you can see that the tarp has fallen down. City leaders repeatedly said those victims- When something as horrible as this happens, people always come out and admit fault and tell the horrifying truth of their continued negligence and malpractice, right? Yeah, you're right, that never happens. What am I thinking? Instead, they usually do their best to hide everything and blame anyone but themselves, and wouldn't you know it, that's exactly what happened here too. Over the next few months, people worked to determine what exactly went wrong, and it was way worse than anyone thought. While construction workers were attempting to blow the whistle about things they could see even with the naked eye, when people started to dig deeper, it turns out that there was much more going on than anyone, except maybe a city inspector who should have been doing their job, knew. A structural engineer who helped in demolishing the building nearly two years after its collapse found that the beams in the building were 300% overstressed. He says he saw the safety issues right away just by looking at the construction plans and was shocked that it was missed by the engineers on the project, but they disagreed. They thought everything was fine. But those completing the investigation saw it just a little bit differently. OSHA claimed that Heaslip Engineering, who's in charge of designing the project, had designed the building improperly. They denied these allegations and claimed that they stood behind their company's track record of designing projects that meet applicable engineering standards. If that were true, then why are both a government agency and other engineering experts saying that you built it wrong? And maybe, just maybe, crazy little thought here, maybe it would have been a good idea to get a second opinion before sending people in to build a gigantic skyscraper, which because of this whole thing, engineers are now required to do. It wasn't just the engineer's fault though, it was the inspectors too. You know, the people whose job it literally is to ensure that a building is stable and won't come crumbling down at a moment's notice. As it turns out, the inspectors in charge of the hard rock in New Orleans decided that this was just a little too much for them to handle, so they just didn't do it. On 25 different occasions, a safety and permits inspector approved inspection documents and uploaded them to the construction document management system without ever stepping foot on the premises. She seemed to barely ever appear on the construction site for any inspections whatsoever, and yet she approved them over and over again. Maybe if this person actually showed up, three people wouldn't be dead one person wouldn't have been deported and a building wouldn't have collapsed in on itself. Other inspectors were using third-party photos to approve construction in the city. So it seems like this is a bit of a recurring problem if we're being frank. As this news came to light, the public started to call for felony charges to be brought up against the engineers and the inspectors. 
Sure, they all had been suspended from their city jobs and all three of them either resigned or retired, but where the hell were the charges? I think that it's pretty clear they broke the law. You can't just use other people's pictures as your inspection, but nothing seemed to be happening. Soon, it wasn't just private citizens calling for them to be brought to justice either. It was the inspector general too. The DA said they were looking into a further investigation before bringing forward charges, but would that day ever come? Would they ever actually be charged with a crime? No, no, they wouldn't. Now the case would eventually go to a grand jury, but despite multiple investigations pointing out who exactly was at fault, nothing seemed to happen. This event was terrible. And honestly, it could have been that much worse. If it had happened on a weekday, there would have been more workers there. There would have been more traffic and there would have been far more carnage. But despite that, no one seems to be bearing the responsibility of putting people in danger. And that by itself is frustrating as hell. The developers didn't claim responsibility because they were just the developers, not the engineers or the people in charge of the construction. Despite the fact that they did indeed have an electrical contractor and the primary contractor as principal owners of their development company. So they probably should have known better. The engineers didn't claim responsibility and instead stood by how awesome they were. And as for the city inspectors, they just resigned. So everyone just seemed to get away without a scratch everyone except the construction workers who lost their lives because of other people's negligence. If there is anything good that comes out of this situation, it's the fact that the city put forth new rules to try and prevent this from happening again in the future. But that's about it for a silver lining. Two years after the devastating collapse, the New Orleans City Council with the support and help of Mayor Latoya Cantrell approved the creation of new laws that quote, ensure that city contractors are responsible, safe and abiding by labor and workplace laws. The new regulations sought to tame the supposed wild west of contracting in the city, a system that allowed contractors to gain access to a project based almost exclusively on their bid rather than skill and past history. Whoever quoted the lowest price usually got the project, regardless of anything else that might serve as red flags. Now the city was going to rely on things other than the price of the project when choosing contractors. The city instead would require businesses to prove that they are responsible by having them fill out a questionnaire submitted under penalty of perjury that analyzed their performance history, compliance, financial responsibility, and treatment of employees. If a contractor is found to be non-responsible, and yes, that's the word they literally use, don't ask me why, I don't know either, but that contractor would be added to a list held by the city where they would remain for three years. So at least something good seemed to come out of the situation. Hopefully we won't see anything like this happening in New Orleans again. But what about the people that caused the fall of the hard rock? We already know they didn't get any criminal charges, but is there any other form of justice coming their way? Well, maybe. He was sure he would be crushed. Everything stopped. I thought it was gonna keep going. Everybody thought it was gonna keep going. So I was going crazy. I, I didn't know when it was our time, but luckily God brought us out. He said people were pushing and shoving to escape. I'm sure as many of you have predicted already, this event came with a plethora of lawsuits, as it should. After the collapse, multiple victims joined together to sue five of the companies associated with the building. Not surprisingly, the lawsuit claimed negligence, saying that the company's use of inferior materials is what caused the building to fall in on itself. In another lawsuit, the family of Anthony Margret, one of the workers who unfortunately lost their life in the collapse, sued the building's developers for wrongful death and mental suffering. Then there was the city. When the hard rock fell, it impacted much more than just that building. 
The area around it was effectively shut down and closed for two years as the demolition of the building was continuously delayed again and again and again. Businesses in the surrounding area were blocked from operating and unable to generate income. Plus, the city would have to take on some of the cost of the demolition themselves since the developers seemed determined to avoid the issue entirely. Things happening behind the scenes with the investigation. There are things happening out here, like that pending demolition of those two giant cranes at the Hard Rock, and that investigation and the demolition have- In the lawsuit, the city claimed that 1031 Canal Development LLC had neglected to cover the $12 million the city had spent to ensure the building didn't collapse further and to ensure the safety of the area surrounding the site. After the lawsuit was officially filed, the mayor, Latoya Cantrell, released a statement saying, quote, "'Our city was harmed, our people were killed. No amount of delay or denial or excuses can change that fact. And we will not allow those responsible to evade responsibility for the damages they have caused to our city." But so far, it definitely feels like they have evaded all the responsibility. Besides a few new laws being created and these lawsuits, nothing else seems to have happened. So pretty much everything is just relying on the results of these lawsuits. And I hate to break it to you, but they're really nothing to write home about either. I have literally not been able to find out how the city's lawsuit turned out, and that was filed three years ago. It is possible that it's still ongoing, but it's also possible that it was settled quietly, which quite frankly would shock me considering the gravity of the situation. But what about the others? Well, there have been some good news in the lawsuit filed by the victims. In September, 2022, AP News reported that a mediator had finally been assigned to the victim's lawsuit to begin negotiating settlements for the hundreds of people who had joined over the course of three long years. Mike Brandner Jr., one of the attorneys in the case representing 40 of the injured construction workers, said that this symbolized a light at the end of the tunnel for the clients that had been waiting years for some sort of justice as the lawsuit continually dragged out. Unfortunately, I have not been able to find any type of update, so while AP News does point out that some victims have been able to negotiate monetary settlements, the vast majority of them remain unaddressed. It's pretty upsetting to see such a tragic case draw on for so long, and as more details emerge, the more frustrating the whole thing seems to get. Hopefully, some of the new regulations will prevent this from ever happening again in the city. All too often, corporations will put profits over people, and in this case, it cost people their lives. It's not hard to ensure safety standards and make sure a building is designed properly to be absolutely positive that this type of situation never occurs. Maybe if we were thinking more about people than the bottom line, we would never see this. And hopefully there is some sort of justice on the horizon, but for now, we're just going to have to wait and see. But with all of that being said, that's where we're going to end today's episode of The Corporate Casket. I hope you learned something new today, and I hope in the near future, I'll be able to give some sort of update, hopefully being positive that these victims and these lawsuits receive some sort of resolution. But again, with all that being said, that is the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me, and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Bye.